Bloody Elbow presents the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Bloody Elbow podcasts are proud to be sponsored by RevGear. They've been a pioneer in the industry and have grown into a formidable brand and true leader in the MMA gear market. Bloody Elbow listeners get 20% off. Go to revgear.com slash bloody elbow email sign up. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts, as always, Eddie Mercado. Come to y'all from the end of UFC Sao Paulo, going down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Now, before this event, I was a little bit like, man, you know, people are hating on this card. It doesn't really have a co-main event, but I'm I'm fine with it. Like, we get to see Jailton Almeida, you know, do some jujitsu things. We get to see a lot of, I thought, well-matched fights. Adolfo Vieira, Armin Petrosian looked like a great one. Couldn't wait for that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, kind of bum- I'm really bummed actually that that got canceled. Yeah. So walking out of it, now I look like the asshole, right? Like, um, that's nothing new, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. This is par for the course. We're, yeah. We're on time here. No, it's this was true. a fun card, though. Like, aside, I mean, the main event was. You know, fucking boring. Unless the main event had, was terrible. Unless you had, unless you had money on Almeida by decision. Even if you had money on Almeida, even if you have money on Almeida by decision, I think nobody wanted to watch it like that. You know, yeah. No, Where he's sure. as uh, one of our our viewers here, yeah. Almeida on top in full mount, just clearly exhausted. That that sucks. Like that's that's so, where you. It's like that's true, that's true. But you also have to understand like why it's true. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not you saying know. that there's not a practical side to this, but it's like one of those, you know, oh, two great defenses going against each other. You get a three-six football game, and people are like, yeah, well, that's what. Like, yeah, okay, still nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch the three six all field goal football game. No, for sure. You know? I'm 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 with you. I was bored by this fight. I love jujitsu. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's not a, it wasn't a fight. Like no. Derek Lewis didn't do he had a couple moments, a few windows, mm-hmm. but he spent a lot of this fight just you know, being obstinate, doing nothing. Yep. Which is tough, right? Because you yeah. do you don't really want to ever force things. You don't want to have to force things. You want people to give you things and you take what they give you and capitalize on it. And Derek Lewis, to his credit, wasn't given much. Um, but again, you're just defending at that point. Yeah. It's intelligent. I'll give you that, but you're not you're not trying to win a fight in any way. You're just surviving. And that's yeah. that's hard to watch. That's hard to watch. And I got to say, it does Jail Tanam. It did Jail Tanam absolutely no favors at all. That all the promo package for this showed him hitting mitts with his dad and talking about how he grew up in a boxing gym and all that. Because then you watch him go out and you're like, what were you doing in that boxing gym? Were you scrubbing floors? Were you jumping <laughs> rope? <laughs> like, well, you know, uh, was everyone? It's no surprise how what, what happened here. The takedown defense of Lewis is porous, and Almeida can actually wrestle for a jujitsu guy. I I know it's not a shock. It just I you know, 
The shock is that Lewis didn't get finished. Yeah. That's the shocker. That's what I was here for. I was like, okay, you know what? It's not a great. It, it's not. It's not a great fight. It's not a. It's not a competitive fight. I've seen Derek Lewis lose this fight already going in, but it's like, well, okay, but. I can see Almeida roll. I can see him hit some fun sub. I can see him. We, we haven't. You know. Well, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was saying going in. Like I've, yeah, I've yeah, seen, yeah. I've seen Derek Lewis fight Daniel Cormier. I've seen him fight. You know, not even Daniel Cormier, but I've seen him fight uh, Sergey Spivak. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. I have seen him fight people who want to take him down. No it's issue. not a mystery of what happens in if they're actually good enough at jujitsu, at least. But so I was hoping just, you know, like let's at least see Jailton Almeida do something fun. Like get do it stunt a little. Mm-hmm. And this was this was like when planking was a fad. Oh good. This feels like that kind of stunt. <laughs> um I will say this. Um Almeida is the first guy to decision Derek Lewis in the UFC. Yeah. He's the first guy to decision Derek Lewis since Tony Johnson back in Bellator in like 2011 or some shit. So we've actually never seen this. Fair play to, fair play to Almeida. You brought something new to the table. <laughs> you got what you wanted, Zane. You wanted something right. new. Here you go. That's right. It's my fault. I cursed this son of a bitch. Yeah. Ah. Uh, but yeah, this was a stanker. Yeah. Stanker. Uh, but I don't think it doesn't. It doesn't. Um. I don't think it matters that much for Almeida, though. Honestly, he just has yeah. to keep winning. It. He's right there. That's it. He just has to keep winning. It, it. I mean, it's all just a right, right time, right place kind of thing. For him, he just has to worry about getting himself into that position that. Curtis Blades is it got himself in, but then this was a fight Curtis Blades couldn't win, and the reason that Curtis Blades has ended up in the perpetual bridesmaid spot is that he would get to fights like this and then not win them. Yes. So for Almeida getting wins like this, yeah, it does just feel like one of those things where it sucks. We all hate it. He called he call that Cyril gone. We've already got an interim title fight in front of us and a title fight. It, like, it's a very smart call out for him because not only do we have an interim title fight in front of us, but we have a title fight scheduled for International Fight Week of next year already, after which we will have the interim, well, after after which we will have the interim champion or interim champion promoted to full champion because the winner of Stipe versus Jones is not hanging out to fight Tom Aspinall or Sergey Pavlovich. Well, not only that, but like, you know, you're you're talking. He called out the guy that got out wrestled by Francis Naganu. Yeah, he, he he called out the guy that got subbed by John Jones and like you know like insta subbed. Yeah, that's a fucking genius call out. <laughs> and it's a fight that like you know if you're still gone right now, what fight are you getting? What fight are you waiting for? You know, all of the big names in that division are are yeah. sewn up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's impressive that. Almeida is a smaller heavyweight and he was able to hold down Lewis. Sure. To like a degree. That's, that's impressive. And I can see why that would be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I get I get the lot logistics of but, why it was tiring, but but like what I still don't know is does he have a heavyweight chin? He he ate some shots out there. I think he, he at least has a heavyweight enough chin that he's never been knocked out before. Well, that's because he goes out and there. Or he, he was knocked out once. It's okay. his. It's his. Um, it's his style, right? Like, yeah, his style is conducive to fighting on the ground and not getting knocked out. It's smart, but we. I, I feel like I have no idea whether or not he can really take a heavyweight punch. Yeah. It. I. I. I don't know. I'm. I'm fine with seeing Jailton Almeida against 
Cyril gone if he can lure him into that taking that fight. Otherwise, we're probably going to see something like Almeida versus Volkov or something like that. I don't know. Gee, I wonder how that'll go down. Yeah, I can't imagine. And that's the thing is, like, I feel like Almeida is going to sub everybody else. Like, Gon's getting subbed, right? Blade, oh, maybe not Blades, but Volkov getting subbed. Yeah. Some box kind of interesting, but, like, talk about boring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Somebody else here, the same person we highlighted earlier, recommended, said Blades was Almeida would be interesting. It would be theoretically interesting. Sure. Intellectually, I'm interested in that fight. On paper. Actually watching it, I don't know that I'm... Yeah. I'd watch it, like, during the Fight Pass Invitational, right? Yeah. Not on a UFC card. Sure. Although UFC fighters in, like high-level competitive grappling. Either There's a lot of stalling in that, too. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Honestly, they might even strike. They might just end up striking. That like, we can finally see Jailton Almeida put his boxing background to use. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but Aspinall, though, that, that's when things get interesting. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's just hard to have the enthusiasm after a fight like that, you know. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I think God, God I, has no reason to think he can stop any kind of grappling at an, an elite level of grappling. Yeah, I, he can't stop like mediocre grappling. How the how the hell in the, in a short amount of time is he going to be able to stop world class grappling? It was the the big the big fear against Silgan is not me seeing him get subbed by John Jones, honestly. That's Nganu out wrestling him. It was it was and it's not even necessarily Nganu out wrestling him. All of that is a big cause for concern. It was that moment that he had Nganu down on his back, oh, and he dropped for a leg lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the real point of concern where it's like. If you're gonna, if your, if your intentions is a grappler, flow in that direction against somebody like Jelton Almeida, they're just gonna take Almeida's just gonna take over all day. Oh yeah, I mean he'll come up on top, get his two points for the sweep, you know, pass guard, submit. Yeah, but I, I, I would love to see. But there's also the fact, like the possibility that Gon Styles on him, like Gon, Gon did to Ivasa. Like he comes out and does something like that, it's like, oh, well, it's in. Yeah, Gon does ask one of the other questions that all, almost every heavyweight is not prepared to answer, which is, what if you fight somebody that can actually keep range and maintain it behind a jab and low kicks? Yeah, yeah. you know, we certainly don't have never seen Jelton Almeida answer a question like that. No, but. no. So, and, and that would that makes Volkov interesting. It could, yeah, it could, maybe. We'll yeah, see. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like stud by Aspinall. It's just hard to be hyped after this fight. Other, I was interested. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, you know, get too down on Almeida for one really blankety performance. Derek Lewis is actually, you know, we have recorded history that in many fights, he's a very hard guy to just stay on top of. He makes people really hot, tired just holding him down. So I'm not going to be too hard on him. It's just hard after this fight to be like, I, I can think of that next Jelton Almeida fight that I'm hyped for, you know? Uh, no, I disagree. <laughs> like there's a there's like fucking five people to choose from. I'm all right, all of them. All <laughs> right. What do you mean, dude? You are optim. You're delusional from your yeah. lack of sleep. He's too. That's all it is. Well, I am on thirty minutes of sleep, but he's like, you know, he's two fights away from a title shot. What are you talking about? I know. That's why I should be more hyped. I'm channeling the. I'm channeling the MMA uh, fan zeitgeist that i just had to spend several hours interacting with none of whom were excited about Cyril, about jelton almeida after that fight no i mean i get it 
I'm still excited though. He's still fucking dominated. It is. This is why you are the optimist to my pessimist. <laughs> the yin and the yang, Zang. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's talk. Let's talk about the actual cool thing on this yeah, card. Sure. Nicholas Dalby. Whoa, whoa, Jay- whoa! We can't call him that. We call. We got to call him a uh, EPO Nico. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. Allegedly, I'm just kidding. It's a total joke, but but right? <laughs> no, you gotta ask the question. My dude just said, uh, he said, uh, full throttle, full speed ahead, and like that's it, and left it yeah. on, and just left it on. It, it was the best game plan ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I came into this fight, I, I picked Gabriel Bonfim going into this. Most did, I did, yeah, and I, but. And I, I was talking to him about it on the Vivian. I was like, you know, the, the fun thing about watching rooting for Nick, Nicholas Dalby is you pick against him. And then you get to watch him <laughs> like outperform your expectations, you know? Right. Like, that's what makes it great is that you're not sitting there, you know, you're not – it's not picking Jailton Almeida out there where you're like – Okay, yeah, I picked Jelton Almeida, and now I'm watching him just roll over Derek Lewis, and I don't even feel that. Fu- I didn't even have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You pick you pick Gabriel Bonfim to be like, no, he's too fast, he's too strong, he's too dynamic, and I got to pick against Dolby. I love him, I want him to win, but I'm picking against him. And then you go out there and you watch him absolutely get his ass handed to him for a round well half a round right three quarters of a round because he came out storming the castle like he said fuck this i'm gonna come fight you he gave zero yeah. respect to bonfim and i he love did. that yeah he brought no. the fight right away he, he um, brought the fight it was once but... he gave up the takedown that's when it was yeah like, Ooh, uh-oh and he got tagged a bunch in that early clean hard shots but he never really seemed that phased by him that's just because he, he's insane. He's he went full Terminator tonight. Yeah, he went full Terminator. You never go full Terminator. And so to see him just like after a really bad round, come right back out there and be like, "All right, bro, let's see how far you can really take this." That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. Bonfim was not ready. Yeah. You know. Yeah, not at all. Oh, man. There was this one moment where Dolby's bringing the heat. He's coming forward. He puts Bonfim on the cage, and Bonfim just stares up at the at the clock, and he, he just looks lost, like a lost little puppy dog. He's like, shit, two minutes left? Fuck. And, like, you just you see it in him. You see the panic yeah. set in. And that was an overwhelming performance, man. That's it really was. tough to deal with. You know, not only do you have to address all of the, the, the arsenal coming at you, but just the, the pace of trying to fight backwards like that. That sucks, dude. It absolutely does. And this was one of two fights that we saw tonight where, you know, for uh, for us old men out there, like Gabriel Bonfim is 26 years old. Yeah. 38-year-old Nicholas Dalby going out there and just putting the screws to him. Like, he, the 40-year-old dude pushing the pace? Like, fuck yeah. EPO Nico, let's go. I would pick him against most, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm loving it right now. Somebody suggested uh, Dalby versus Holland, and, you know, I absolutely... I absolutely want to see that fight. I want to see Dolby fight Kevin Holland. Let's see who, who's up at the top or who's at the, who's at the edges of the UFC rankings out here for welterweight. Um, we got Kevin Holland. We've got Michael Chiesa. I would watch Nicholas Dolby versus Michael Chiesa. Is Chiesa still fighting? I don't know. I don't know if he's even still fighting. We got Renat Fakratinov. Is now a is now ranked uh, apparently, although I don't know about that. Did he actually get a ranking last week? I guess he must. No, have. he is a hundred percent ranked number fifteen. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, Fakhradinov got a he he got a win on this card against Eliza Zaleski. No, he fucking didn't. That was a well, he got a draw. That's right. He got a draw. Got it might have should have. It might have should have could have would have been a been a uh, a, a, a win. Loss. A win. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he he is ranked fifteen. So yeah. I would watch Fakhradinov versus Dolby. Sure. You know. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Holland. That might be the move. If they're not going to do like a rematch or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they will. But yeah. I don't feel like I need to see a rematch. I got, I got no. what I needed. I got what I needed from it. Yeah. <laughs> so I love seeing Dolby get that, get this kind of win. I love seeing him make his run right now at 38 years old, even if it never comes to anything. Like, dude has put in all the work over his career, got cut, had all sorts of personal issues, came back, and he's just, he's doing it, you know? Yeah, this was cool. (laughs) This was a cool, something cool I didn't, I had... Not it wasn't on my bingo card at all. Mm-mm. Terminator yeah. Dolby, crazy yeah. cardio Dolby. Hey, there's Santiago Ponzinibbio out there too. You know. Um, Fakhradinov, man, that's the move. <laughs> that's the move. Yeah, that'd be a scrap. That'd be that would be a scrap. All right. Well, let's let's uh, man, do we have? I'm like about to move on to the next thing. Yeah, we can totally. Or or here, how about this? We can at least talk about the cell phone lights coming on, right? That was cool. Sure. Yeah. Like I love that. Yeah. I always forget about it because it only comes out every so often, and when it does, I'm like, oh shit, look at that. That's cool. And it's usually because the fights suck. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the it's like a yellow card for the fighters from the audience. <laughs> yeah, Nasim. So uh, as uh, as one of our listeners here, is I was just saying that we're that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about it, but we're talking about it. Nasimento Maze. Why did this fight need to happen again? Why did? Why did it need to get rebooked? <laughs> I don't. This is just. There was absolutely no reason in the world that this fight needed to be made twice. It didn't even need to be made once. Maybe this it fight, was um, a clerical error, right? Like they, yeah. they already did it. <laughs> yeah, they carried the one when they shouldn't have. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Nasamento, he did all right for a couple of rounds. Then he got tired from punching Dante Mays in the head so much. And uh, he maybe lost the third round. Maybe not. I still gave it to him. But at that point, I wasn't really watching that close anymore. <laughs> I gave Mays the third. He, he definitely kept going. Sure. Super, super sloppy fight. Yeah. But the cell phone light, man. That's the cell phone lights were cool. Okay. It yeah. it increased my buzz in a time of need. <laughs> Absolutely. Somebody missed our talk about Dolby versus Vakratinov is is the fight to make here. Exactly. If this is what the fe- the people want, then this is exactly the, yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. All right. Now Okay, I'm not actually that excited to move on from Nasimento Maze because now I got to talk about Kyle Bahayo versus Abus Magomedov, which it got better as it went on. It got better as it went on. Magomedov is still his his whole thing. I think it's really clear in the UFC, especially. It was kind of clear coming in, but it's been laid very bare at the high levels of the sport. Is he can be the hammer, but he can't be the nail at all. Sure. And in this fight, he tried to solve that, you know, because he he's used to coming out and just whomping on people in a round. And then if the fight starts to go against him, 
he falls apart. What we saw against Strickland, that was not unique to Sean Strickland. That's happened before. And so we saw here was the overcorrection without solving the underlying problem. Problem where a boost, yeah, yeah, where a boost tried to come out, and he was like, "Okay, well, I'll take my foot off the gas. I gassed against Sean Strickland. I'll I won't fight so hard this time. I won't come out so aggressive." There weren't nearly the amount of Peter Pancakes being thrown out there. No. And the result is still the problem against Sean Strickland was not that you fought too hard too early. It's that you can't be the nail. And the moment that Kyle Bahio started making you the nail, the fact that you didn't do anything for two rounds didn't matter. You were still dead tired. You know, mm-hmm. the gas tank is going because he can't, you know, he, the, the adrenaline starts to dump when he's getting it put on him. And that is not a problem that gets solved by not fighting hard early in the fight. Yeah. Um, and like, it was, it was sticky right early on. Like, yeah, there was, there was, um, there was a lot, not a lot. There were several, a handful of fight ending strikes that were thrown that just barely missed. A scant, a sousant. A, a smattering, a yes. sprinkling. Yes, and 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 you know they would share a smile, and everyone at home yeah. was like, Hoo-hoo-hoo. so I felt like it was just enough to kind of keep me just almost right there. Um, and then Kayo started landing solo strikes, and then yeah. by the third round, yeah, Abu's just deteriorated. <laughs> yeah. It, just, it, it wasn't from some crazy pressure either. No, no. Maybe it was. Maybe it's like overstimulation from from all with the feints and just the the bobbing and the weaving and the in and in the out and. I, I don't it's know. It's just he, when he starts getting hit. When he starts getting it put on him, he falls to pieces. That's what it is. He's a fighter who is, you know, he's got a huge frame. He's used to being the dominant dude when he was on the regionals, and everybody's way. You know, not nearly as good an athlete, not as big, not as tough. Then he got to be the hammer all the time. And now when he's in the UFC and people are physically capable of standing up to him, you just can't take it. Well, this was in PFL, and this is why the title runs through Abus Magomedov. Kayo is going to be a UFC champion. It's just, just, this is how it's done. Look at, uh, how am I here? Look at Sean Strickland. Uh, I was look at Lewis Taylor. I right? was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say, Kyle Bahio's style of fighting makes me way too upset to imagine him as champion. But Sean Strickland kind of fits that bill too, so maybe, maybe you're on to something here. Yeah, a boost is the golden ticket that nobody knows about. That's right. And why was this fight even? He's the Wonka bar of MMA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the golden ticket Wonka bar. Uh. And yeah, while also being like the Uncle Joe, or he, <laughs> like, what's he doing? How's he gonna just get up out of bed to go to the chocolate factory, but can't get a job? What's <laughs> going on here, dude? <laughs> oh, we can't, we can't, we can't carry that metaphor too far. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kayo, um, he started turning on in the third. That was cool. It got exciting. Uh, that little sequence with the elbow to the flying knee mm-hmm. to the body shot, like that was pretty sweet. I, I when he's landing stuff, I like watching Kyle Bahio fight, but it's all like his style is either way outside or way inside, and he's just like lunging through the space. It's zero surprise to me that he got poked in the eyes like three times in this fight because when you're eight feet away and you're jumping with your whole body at somebody. They're just going to put a hand out. Like, they're just going to put a hand out to try to stop you. You know who else fights like that? The guy he called out, Drickus Duplessis. It's true. I would love to see that fight. I want to see that fight. I don't think Drickus should accept or will accept. At least not anytime soon. But damn it, that would be a car crash. Yeah. Such a freak show. Bahia isn't even ranked. So. He's not getting like the top 
a top three guy, a top five guy. He's not getting a top ten guy. Hold on. You're um he might. I mean, Sean Strickland got a title shot off that shit, right? Yeah, but that was when people that was because Abus Magomedov iced the, the worst ticket. middleweight on the roster. No. And the and everybody lost their shit and was like, oh man. You beat Dustin Stolzfus, that makes you a contender. <laughs> I don't I think that magic is off now. I think that no longer is is quite that far. Let's let's have Kyle Bahio get a win over like Anthony Hernandez or Nasruddin Imovov or even Jack Hermanson or something. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah. Or let's bring up the Brendan Allen thing. Yeah. Right? And you're going to be oh, he's booked against Paul Craig. And I'm going to be like, like I said, Brendan Allen. They fight next week, by the way. Somebody, yeah, here. Somebody asked about where Abus goes from here. Have him fight Edmund Shabazian. That is a perfect matchup, I think, for Abus Magomedov. Hey, man, is he still around? I think so, yeah. UFC, he, his connections to Ronda have bought him like eight different, you you know, one-up extra lives. They're talking about so, for Abus? Yeah. Nah, dude. Abus needs to fight like some, like <laughs> a short notice, uh, you know, a guy fighting up a weight division. He needs a soft, a softer ball than Shabazian. No, but, but it's two dudes who neither of them can stand being the nail at all. So I absolutely want to watch that just to see which of them. Like That fight would suck. <laughs> that fight would be horrible. It would be horrible. I just I just want to see the, the complete mental, you know, the gears having to turn for both of them, realizing that the only option they have is to Try and try and avoid a hard fight at all costs. That's what I mean. It would be yeah. analysis by paralysis. It would yeah, be boring yeah. as shit. I don't want to see that. Don't speak that into the into the ether there, Zane. Why? <laughs> what are you, you're all like right. doing it. Oh, I get it. You're just trying. You need you need content for the depressedness. I understand. That's right. That's right. I got a, you, one hand feeds the other, Eddie. One hand feeds the other. I'm on to you, Zane. <laughs> yeah. All right. That brings us to a catchweight bout, supposed to be a lightweight bout. Elvis, I'm I'm never going to be able to read that and not just say elves. Elves, <laughs> elves Brenner, Kanan Krushevsky. And uh, yeah, as advertised, this was just going to be kind of a hammer and tongs war of two dudes who only really know how to fight going forward. And uh, unfortunately for Krushevsky, he t- he took it coming off the couch, which is why he needed the 15-pound allowance, and it kind of showed. And then he got dinged really hard behind the ear and fl- face-planted. Yeah, this was cold. This was a cold yeah. knockout, a cold walk-off knockout. And the way it was set up was fucking brilliant, dude. You know, it's like you overextend on a cross and then you you step through as you weave under a, a punch coming at you as you're unloading this monstrous looping left hook. Like, and, and where it, like it landed to yeah. the left side of his head. Yeah, it was really weird. Because it's weird because you, you see it in slow motion and it looks like the knuckle just like skims the mm-hmm. head. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, how did that knock him out? And then you see it in full speed and you realize how fast that clipped and skimmed off his head and it's just like oh that hit him really hard crisp oh so crisp. yeah this was fantastic and yeah. like it, the dude got switched off like he lost a degree on his ninth degree my muay thai belt he's an eighth <laughs> degree muay thai black belt now uh he went full mitch mcconnell dude <laughs> <laughs> He got switched <laughs> off. That's tough, man. He might not, uh, he might not even fight again in the UFC. Oh no. They they brought him in on the contender series. He he'll get a, at least three fights. Yeah, if I'm he wakes sure. up, dude. Yeah, that's true. 
Dude, this was this is one of the coldest knockout, like one punch knockouts I've seen in a while. Yeah. They gotta stop handing out black belts for Muay Thai in Brazil. That's gotta that, that needs well, no, to go no, no. away. They gotta stop handing out belts for Muay Thai, period. Yeah, yeah. Any belts. That's what I mean. Just any belts for that's Muay not Thai. A thing. No, there's enough of a competition ladder for Muay Thai that's been established around the world. You don't need to measure Muay Thai success through the belt system. Yeah, belts that's are like for a Americanized kind of thing. Yeah, it's trickling down. Belts are for Hapkido, you know, Jeet Kundo. You're like no, belts. Belts are for martial arts who who weaponize belts and you can use the yeah. belt. And like you, if you're not if you don't have a belt in your martial art, it's, you don't have belt a belt a belt system. Well, it's also just it, it, it's a way to sell martial arts success to to for martial arts where nobody competes, like like the merit system. Yeah, you're trying for, to give you know boxing doesn't have belts. Stripe. Yeah, boxing doesn't have belts because it's got title belts. You've got championships people can win. Sure, you can't really. You can be a taekwondo champion, but. We all know what that means. Sure. You know. Well, I don't know. Karate combat. Karate. That's, hey, that's not. That's not taekwondo. Bullshit. I mean, I know the bullshit. The, next fucking month, we I got know. Anthony Pettis and Vincent, Vincent Henderson. Henderson. That's taekwondo versus taekwondo, taekwondo versus taekwondo. <laughs> karate, karate combat. Yeah. I see you out there, karate combat. Yep. <laughs> How do we get talking uh, about this? What are we, what are we talking I don't about? know. Anyway, it, it's a, it, Kanan Krzyzewski in his ninth degree Muay Thai black. Oh, that's right. Me. That's right. And how crisp this knockout was. Yes. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Rinat Fakratinov, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. And uh, hold on, Zane. Before we get to this, what the fuck was up with Derek Lewis's gloves? Like, why did the UFC logos melt off him by the like end of the first round? A, it was hot out there. It didn't happen to Almeida's gloves. B, the UFC is continuing their long tradition of partnering with gear and uh, outfitters that are bargain basementing their way through all the outfitting. <laughs> yeah. like, are you suggesting they Alibaba it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna start. People fighters gonna be starting to walk out with with venom spelled right. It's knock off, <laughs> it's knock off venom. It's V N O M, not V E N U M. V N U N. It's venom. Venom. There you go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was just on my mind. I I don't think yeah. I've ever seen that before. No, I. That was weird. Um. All right. Yeah. Welterweight bout: Rinat Fakhradinov, Elizu Zaleski, and it remains true. I said it going in. I didn't pick Zaleski. I feel a little bad because I, I, I wanted to. I wanted I, to also. I, I, I picked him last time out. Oh yeah. And me too. And. I know how much of a dog he is and I know how much he can rip to the body and how much of a problem that can be late in fights. But I just thought Fakratinov would be too much for him. Well, and the he, thing almost, is, he almost he, was, he almost was, he, you know, like we knew going in with the last fight, Nurmagomedov gets tired. That is like Abubakar Nurmagomedov. He right. just gets tired all by himself. If he's fighting hard for 15 minutes, he will get tired. Mm -hmm. Zaleski does not get tired. So that was like, that was the dynamic there that was like, hey, you got to pick Zaleski. Because mm -hmm. even if he's going to get out wrestled for a round, Nurmagomedov is going to get tired. Zaleski will not. Yeah. And, and with he Fakr attacks the body. Yeah. He doesn't get tired and he attacks the body. And Fakhratinov, we haven't seen him get tired. So for me, it was like, yeah. I... I don't think Zaleski is necessarily going to get out wrestled for 15 minutes, but I don't think Fakhratinov is going to get tired. And if he doesn't get tired, I think he can probably win. So I'll pick him. Right. You... And, it, you know, it's just that little bit different thing, but it remains true. And it should be noted forever going forward. I mean, he's, 
for as long as the wheels stay on Zaleski's car, you do not beat this man on with wrestling alone. Like he does not get taken down and out wrestled to a loss. That does not happen to him. And Fakradinov came out and tried it, and it did not happen here either. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He knocked him down in like the first twenty seconds. Yeah, and then he, he spent the rest of the round like riding on it. You know. <laughs> I think he he mixed up a bunch of different things. The first round he did. Um, yeah. The second round he was more willing to trade in open space. Well, his wrestling stopped working. Fakhrdinov. Yeah. He doesn't have any leg drive on it. He's clearly he's way stronger than I gave him credit for. That dude. He his striking is not at all polished. His defense is not good. He stands flat, but he stands flat-footed as hell, which means he cranks everything into all of his shots, and he's clearly strong as hell. Mm-hmm. But part of him being strong as hell is he doesn't actually get any leg drive on his shots. All of his shots come purely from bending at the waist and using his back and his shoulders to grab and, like, yank out and lift. Yeah, and he was telegraphing a lot of that Yeah, on the outside. Perfect. Well, and that's the thing is that without the leg drive, everything start it, it starts to become obvious because you're just bending and reaching, mm-hmm. and Zaleski could just get an arm in there and stuff it. You know, he could get an underhook. How'd you score that third round? Ten eight. I Fair. gave it. I, I gave Zaleski a ten eight for that. I had it a draw. Fair. I thought the draw was the right way to go. Fair. But uh, I love to see it. I I regret not picking Zaleski, but. At the same time, this was all why I didn't, because Fakhrdinov had the gas tank to go multiple rounds. Well, that's the thing, right? If you watch his fight with Brian Battle, like he beat his ass the whole fifteen minutes. Yeah, the whole fifteen minutes didn't didn't waver for a second. Yeah. So this was really weird. Well, Zaleski is just—he's a he's dog. strong as hell, he, and he's he a dog body, and he doesn't get tired. That's yeah. the thing it, that is wild for a dude as like strong and muscly as he is. And who throws with as much power and as wild as he does, he he is exactly as ready to go and throw down in round three as he is in round one. I love that. Yeah. It makes him dangerous. You know, it does. Throughout. So cool fight. We already know what we want next for Renat Fakratinov. Don't run this back. Yes. Throw him in with Nicholas Dalby. Yeah. <laughs> As for Zaleski, just keep giving him more cool middle of the pack action fights in the in the welterweight division. Or keep giving him guys that uh start strong in gas. <laughs> That's sure. so fun, dude. Watching him rally on people, like it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Not for him, it. I'm sure, but for you know, the audience. Yeah. Love it. So fun fight. Definitely one of the highlights on this card. Another highlight of Old men, old people getting it done because you got to throw Angela Hill in there further down the card. Angela over the hill. That's what I'm talking about. I picked her. So uh, I did too. I'm a little happy. Okay, Zane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, We got, I got to keep, I got to stay neck and neck with you and the the staff. Hey, it's you and me now. (laughs) I, uh, I, uh, I was a little shocked that Hill was the underdog here. And I've seen this time and time again where she's the underdog. She's the veteran. And I I didn't know how Hill was going to win, but I figured it would be in a veteran kind of way. And I Mm -hmm. felt like it would probably involve the clinch in some way. And it it did. Well, the thing for me was, okay, I think, you know, she was the underdog because we've all seen Angela Hill lose a lot of fights a lot of ways. But it's usually to it's usually to to proven or establish sure. competition. Yeah, there's that. The other thing is though, we the reason I you know I felt really confident picking her was or reasonably confident is we've never seen her lose a fight by getting knocked out. And I have never seen Denise Gomes win a high level fight with any kind of clear round winning plan where she wasn't on her way to knocking somebody out. You know, yeah. and the, the yeah. big thing that came across in this fight was round three hit and Angela Hill had an absolute. I don't know how we just jumped to talking about this, but we did. We'll get back to Petrino Bukowskis in a moment. But 
Angela Hill had a clear, obvious plan for how she wanted to fight round three and what she wanted to do to Denise Gomes Mm -hmm. in the third round. And Denise Gomes had no idea of how she wanted to fight round three. She was out there trying to just figure out, okay, I'm tired. How do I still fight when I'm tired? And Angela Hill's out there like, okay, I want to press you into the clinch. I want to try to work for this takedown. I want to work these knees. I want to work these elbows. I want to try to beat you in these spots Mm -hmm. and get to them. And that's that's the veteran talent talking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just moving with intention. Yeah. And like do and like out hustling the whole time. Right. Yeah. She's she was dictating and Gomes was just trying to keep up. And it didn't yeah. work. And you can, in the second, the third round ended, you just see how dejected Gomes was. She just mm-hmm. looked so bitter. Like, damn. Like, I had, I could have won this fight. But, yeah, she you know? got it. She, it's great to fought, she fought a seasoned veteran. That's a tough out. Yeah. The and I love to roll see, over. I love to see uh, Hill really getting that, that moment to, be the veteran and get a win over somebody really on the rise. Cause you know, we've seen, I get, we got saw that against Lupita Godinez as well, which was a good reason to have confidence too here. Cause that fight wasn't that long ago. And Godinez is good, but it, you know, it's, she's, she's fought a lot of veterans and she's fought a lot of good fighters on the rise, but you know, people like Amanda Lemos and Verna Janjaroba where you're like, yeah, this is just not, this is not, not for you, Angela. You're not going to get this one. Right. But this was good to see her take on somebody that, you know, people were hyped about a little bit and just look like the vet out there. She's the strawweight cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, she is. And I loved her thing afterwards. She called, you know, she said she wanted a rematch with Michelle Watterson she wanted a rematch with, uh, oh, uh, damn it, where Amanda Lamos. I don't know that she's going to get either of those fights, but. Yeah, well, Watterson's coming off of four losses. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But there's a fight with Karolina Kowalkovic out there who looked pretty good last time out. Pretty decent. Come yeah. come, couple wins. And otherwise, Angela Hill's just like, I'm down to fight anybody else, too. I will fight anybody coming up. I'll fight all the... Yeah, that's her MO. Nothing new. She'll probably be in a short-notice fight next with someone in the top five. Yeah. Or somebody in the bottom ten. Right, right. right. Whatever they need, they'll they'll call her. She's the new John Moraga. (laughs) (laughs) She is Cowboy Cerrone. She is John Moraga. Yep. She's She's a chameleon. Anyway. That was a lot of fun. We got to go backwards. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this light heavyweight bout. Vitor Petrino, Modestus Bukowskis, and the birth birth of measured Vitor Petrino. He came out, he fought behind the jab. He was, you know, that's Yeah. (laughs) That is terrifying. Yeah, no. And, like, he looked huge out there, too. Like, Modestus Bukowskis is a six foot three light heavyweight with a 78-inch reach. He is a big, full-sized mm-hmm. light heavyweight. Vitor Petrino made him look tiny. Like, how? I don't even know how, how tall is this dude, because I don't even know that he's any taller. He's listed at six foot two. Which I don't know that he he looked more like six four out there, at the very least six foot three. He didn't look an inch shorter than Bukaskis at all. And he's thick, but he's just he's twice thick. as thick. Yeah, that's the thing. Man, I don't know, man. This this was a wild knockout. This yeah, wild. Like Bukaskis' eyes crossed and then rolled back before he even hit the deck. Like on impact, it just went. This was, man. If it, if it weren't for Brenner, this would have been knockout of the night. Yeah, this was. This was great. Great to see from Petrino. He's looking like a. He is looking like a potential future contender in that division. Time to get him up into the rankings. You know, yeah, check that man. 
There's a, a fight coming up between Alonta Menafield and Dustin Jacoby. Put him in with the winner of that fight, you know? Yeah. That kind of jump. Sure. Sure. I yeah. want to see him. I want to see him out there against Azamat Mirzakhanov like as soon as possible, you know? Sure. Sure. He's a freak, man. Yeah. He, he's a freak. He is in the right place. He's in the right division. He is absolutely in the right division. So that was an awesome showing from him. Couldn't be more more hyped about him off that performance. All right. Now we get to the point where, for once even, I think I'm prepared to be as mad as you. <laughs> Eduardo Mura, Montserrat Ruiz, Montserrat Conejo, this is the most one of the most weight bully performances I have ever seen in my entire life. In the UFC, especially. I mean, I, there's some shit going on in the regionals that sure, you know, would turn your hair gray if that's the kind of thing that freaks you out. Yeah. At the UFC level. Modern day UFC. Modern day UFC, no David Goliath shit. Yeah. This is about as weight bully as it gets. Like Eduardo Mura, she called out like Diana Belbita after this. You are not a straw weight. They should not let you back near the straw weight division ever. You know, she, she looks huge. She's five six. She started her career at 135 pounds. She spent most of it at 125. I think someone on the broadcast brought that up. They're like, oh, this weight cut, you know, obviously is playing a factor. And someone was like, oh, no, it's the technique. She's using technique. And it's like, she's just melt. She's doing whatever she wants because she can. Montserrat Conejo, first, you know, she is an atom weight. She's five foot tall. Yeah. So there is that too. But she shouldn't look like an Oompa Loompa out there. You know, fighting Bigfoot is what I'm saying. Yeah. And this was pure cryptid territory. Eduardo Mura is way too big to be a, a straw weight. The UFC needs to push her up to 125 pounds. Uh, yeah. And she'd probably still be huge there. Yeah. <laughs> Five foot six is with the way she's built, because it's solid. Like, she is not going to get out-muscled by people. So if you get 30% of your opponent's purse, that's their... Show money only. Show only. Oof. So that's two or three grand here. Oof. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, that's one of those things that they just, for a lot, for too many years, nobody actually ever completed that sentence. Which was it was like oh they're getting two twenty percent of the purse for missing weight yeah thirty percent of the purse for missing right. weight it's like yeah no 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 you need to complete that sentence right <laughs> 20, it's thirty percent twenty percent or thirty percent of the show money purse which I mean you know it makes a logical there's a logical sense to that because it's you can only you're taking from the part that the person is guaranteed to get you know sure if they. True. It doesn't necessarily make sense to say like, oh, if they're getting, you know, if they're on 10 and 10 and they lose, you get $3,000. But if they win, you get $6,000. I get that. I think that that feels just, but logistically for like. A percentage is a percentage, Zane. Yeah. You get 30%, whether it's. Whether it's ten thousand or twenty thousand, it's going to be the same, right? If you get thirty percent of the total purse, yeah. But it, it but in terms of uh, adjudicating, I can see how it would be a lot more messy. It, it's a lot simpler on commissions to just say ahead of time, "No, we're planning on finding you this amount of money." You know, not a percentage, but just say, "Okay, we know your purse." But hold on, is that even a commission thing? I thought uh, I thought they just got new contracts. They just make new contracts for different... No, it's a commission thing. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So does that mean the money passes through the commission first? Well, I guess it does anyways, right? Yeah. That's kind of how MMA works. Exactly. The money passes through the commission and different... Which is why the percentages can change depending on what commission you're in. 
Some commissions will adjust from 20 to 30 for a weight miss. Some will just leave it at 20 no matter what. Etc. And know. there's there's some negotiation there between the fighters also. Yeah, and fighters can also say, oh, I demand this higher percentage, and then, then the UFC can go in and negotiate that. Sure. But. Yeah, rough out though, man. That's Yeah. Probably the end of Conejo's UFC run. That's three straight losses, all of them incredibly one-sided. And... But it's you know like people were t- saying too it's a, it's a terrible way to hurt because she she had a bunch of injuries that she was coming off of she going into this year and she hadn't fought for like two years and so you know this is her t- you know t- attempting to come back from injury getting a see career jump started she's already undersized and then you're coming in against somebody who misses weight by like four pounds. And it's just clearly in the wrong division trying to wait, bully their way through it. That just sucks. Yeah, and there's also like the possibility that she's just not good. Well, yeah, that that's part of it too. But... Right? Like she's never fought anybody. And when she did, she lost. Yeah. Uh, she got a quick sub in Invicta. She got in the UFC. So it's like you you caught a you caught a sub, right? And yeah. Against no. someone, you know, somewhat decent. I... Kaneho was never long for the UFC no matter what. I'm just saying this is a sucky way to this is the kind of thing where it doesn't it's not gonna leave her feeling like, oh, I wasn't good enough. It's gonna leave her feeling like I got I got robbed. I got jobbed out of the UFC, you know. Yeah. So Maybe. anyway. Mora, just move to 125 pounds. That's that's the end thing here. Otherwise, opening the card, Mark Diakese, Cowie Fernandez, and uh, just can't help keep a feeling like Mark Diakese's confidence has been shot by a rough run in the UFC. Where's he training now? Uh, he is apparently with American Top Team these days. Maybe that's something about the goat shed on the broadcast. No. Maybe that. I don't know. He's bounced uh, around a lot over the years. No, nah, he definitely had a, a, a rough go in the UFC. Um, not like terrible. Not like getting starched or anything, but, you know, just some setbacks. Just losing a lot. Yeah. And it just feels – but it feels like, like, you know, you watch him come out here and just, like, grind, desperate grind his way to a win against a newcomer. And just be on, like, you know, totally overcome at the end to get the win. And just can't help feeling it's like you're not out there fighting with the expectation that you're going to smash anyone at this point anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's yeah. weird. It seems like his ceiling would be far higher than what it is. Like, he's, yeah. he has all these tools, but for he's- whatever reason... I think it's just he's never become a comfortable pocket striker, so he can be way outside trying something flashy and doing like a one-off thing, or he can dive in and be clinched up trying to wrestle somebody, but anytime he has to sit right in front of somebody and trade hands, he Mm -hmm. just looks really shaky, and modern MMA, like, you've got to be able to punch with people a lot. Yeah. It's a high volume striking game these days. So, yeah, I don't know. Feels rough. Feels like the dude was once a really electric top prospect, and at this point is just kind of happy to still be here. Is he a journeyman? Well, he hasn't been journeying anywhere. So, <laughs> well, he has been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Just can't get consistent. Yeah. He's and maybe with that... the floating around you were talking about. Yeah. My, all the train, all the different training camps and all the different places. He's still not that old. He's still only, he's only 30. So there's still a few miles left on the tread, but it doesn't really feel like anything's going to Yeah, but you've been fighting for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's... what you see is what you get. Yeah. I think we're there. Yeah. Which is fine. We're we're like talking about him like he fucking yeah. lost here. No, no, he won. He's still he kept his job. He's yeah. you know 
he's still going. But it was it was telling that he after the fight, he even said, like, you know, thanks to my coaches for sticking with me because I would have quit if they weren't pushing me to keep going. Like Yeah, that's rough. You know. How about all the fence grabs in this in this fight? Do you see yeah. that? Yeah. It's like Diakesi was grabbing the uh fence to stop that Oma Plata. And then uh uh Fernandez used like his foot and his hand to try to get an arm bar. Yeah. He's like, dude, what are y'all doing out here? <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway. I don't I don't want to go back and recap the main event. It was lame. I'm glad it's over. I don't want to think about it. Uh that's that's fair. On that note, I think we're just going to ride out into the sunset. We'll have a little bit of bonus content for all the those of you that are subscribed to our Substack. If you're not subscribed to our Substack, you should. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.